I have agreed. The wall must go. China, Princess of Wales, into the World Trade Center. Winner is Cindy. This week in history. Tonight's This Week in History takes us back to 1938, one of the biggest events in the run-up to World War II, and that was Nazi Germany's annexation of Austria, known to history as the Anschluss, or joining, that took place on March the 13th. On the morning of the 12th of March 1938, the 8th Army of the German Wehrmacht crossed the border into Austria. The troops were greeted by cheering Austrians with Nazi salutes, Nazi flags and flowers, The Austrian army offered no resistance and Austria's independence was signed away the next day. It was meant to look like a partnership desperately sought after by Austria. And while there had been support straight after World War I for the two countries to be joined together, sentiment was far from unanimous in 1938. We're going to explore the Anschluss tonight in This Week in History. Now, to help us do that, I'm joined by Ankel Alcalde, a senior lecturer in history at the University of Melbourne. Hello, uh, Ankel. Welcome to uh, Tonight Life. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Is there a simple answer as to the question of whether Austria actually wanted the Anschluss with Germany? Well, there is no simple answer. This is because Austria was a diverse country with different political ethnic groups. And the history of the Anschluss itself is also long and complex. There is, on the one hand, this uh, idea of a union between the two German-speaking countries, Germany and Austria in Central Europe. And that idea was an old idea, has an old tradition from the 19th century. And on the other hand, we have the realities of how in 1938, in March 1938, the Anschluss took place with the Nazi regime. That was a specific way in which that idea was finally realized. Also, the two countries were different. They had different histories coming from different empires before the First World War, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the Habsburg Monarchy, uh, which will correspond partially to Austria, was a multinational and multi-ethnic polity, very complex. And the Austrian region was was German-speaking, but also rather homogeneously Catholic, although in Vienna, the big capital, there was a this was a cosmopolitan city with uh, a big Jewish community. Jewish Austrians were very prominent in, in many areas. The German Empire was ethnically also homogeneous, but not in terms of religion. Where they were Protestants, Catholics, and number of different states. So that was a long process for unification. So eventually, through the 19th century, the German Empire formed separately from an Austro-Hungarian Empire. Well, there was certain common ideologies looking for a possible union. There were pan-Germanist ideas that different German and Austrian groups shared. There were different versions of this idea of a united political state uh, for all German-speaking peoples. But, yeah, there were people who were more aggressive and nationalistic, anti-Semitic in their pursuing this idea. That's, that was the situation 
Um, up to the First World War. Yeah. Um, now, Uncle, going into World War One, you know, you mentioned the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. Um, I mean, it was it was still in existence up to the start of that that war, and Austria had been part of this sort of major power player um, mm-hmm. through Europe, but it was then effectively defeated. So, where did that leave Austria coming out mm-hmm. of World War One? Well, the outcome of the First World War feels similar for both. Austrians and Germans, so they, both empires are destroyed. Both countries are replaced by a number of republics in Austria. The Austro-Hungarian Empire is divided into different independent republics, democracies, and Austria is one of them. Now, Austria it becomes a much smaller country with an overgrown capital, Vienna, which was an imperial capital, now becomes a capital that is inadequate for for that much smaller country. Like in Germany with the Weimar Republic, power falls in the hands of Republicans. And also socialists, for example, were participating in creating these new democratic republics. So uh, there was actually an unrecognised Republic of German Austria, which was established at this time, and they they were actually hoping to eventually be unified with Germany Mm. itself. So tell us about this Republic of German Austria. Yeah, this was one of the ideals, more than a reality of a nation state uh, that emerged from the defeat and from the abolition of the monarchy in Austria. And this was the project that Republicans and Democrats in Austria had to contribute to the reorganization of the European continent after the First World War. But yeah, this was not really functional for a number of reasons. It wasn't eventually recognized. And this was because the the allied powers, the, the victors of the First World War, were, and particularly France, was fearful of having a big unified German state in Central Europe that could be again uh, threatening. So there was this trust, even though both in Germany with the Weimar Republic and with Austria, there was a commitment to create democratic republics. So why would the Austrians at that point have been in favour of, of joining some kind of, you know, eventually joining in with, with Germany? Was it about keeping Austria afloat, given that it had taken such a hit? Or was it about that kind of uh, recognition that here are fellow German-speaking peoples and, you know, we kind of belong with them? Hmm. Yeah, well, undoubtedly, there was, it was a popular idea, the, the, the Anschluss among Austrians after the First World War, as you mentioned, there were economic reasons to join a country to, to be more viable as a country. There was also strong sentiment for a union with Germany traditionally. So there were, for example, uh, Democrats and Republicans also believed that since the 19th century, the possibility of creating a unified German nation was possible. And this was not exclusively a nationalist project. So. So nationalism, ethnic nationalism was part of the sentiment towards joining of Austria and Germany, but there were many, many other considerations. So bringing together Germany and Austria was a complex uh, political question that needed to be agreed and 
the main obstacle there was the opposition of the Allied powers, the victors in the First World War. So, Uncle, would it, would it be fair to say that, in fact, that period just after World War One was perhaps the, the high point of, of support for an Anschluss then, with the two countries sort of coming together on, on sort of equal terms? Yeah, 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 that's that's correct. This is probably one of the the, the the key moments when many people in European countries, not only in in Germany and Austria, hoped for um, a, a recreation of nation states on the basis of this idea of self determination that American President Wilson had used to promise a new and better uh, world after the First World War. So I guess some of the Austrians would have been a bit cranky that here they were saying, actually, this is what we want to to join with Germany. And yet Hmm. the Allies won't allow us to do it. So so you've got that sort of um, support there for joining Austria uh, immediately after World War I. Of course, Hitler starts coming to power in the early 1930s. As we get to the 30s, did the types of Austrians supporting a federation with Germany begin to change? Yeah, there is there is change in the opinions of Austrians and also Germans about the this idea of Anschluss. One needs to 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 see what what is happening in Austria after 1929, as the the early 1930s is the years of the Great Depression. Yeah, Hitler and the Nazis are rising in Germany and in Austria. We find there also an Austrian Nazi party you know, of people who who believed in this ultra-nationalist ideas of a unified German nation. But then there is also a transformation of the Austrian nation-state into gradually into a more and more authoritarian regime. And this was due to the influence and the pressure of fascist Italy, the regime, the regime of Mussolini, which was also a neighboring country with tensions, uh, with Austria. So somehow in the 1930s, Austria was sandwiched between two countries that either have adopted authoritarian institutions and uh, dictatorship in Italy and also in Germany with the rise of the Nazis. So the situation starts to, to deteriorate also internally in Austria for, for democracy. We talked earlier about how after World War One, Austria was sort of a bit concerned about its viability as a nation going forward. By the 30s, had Austria actually sort of um, managed to to see that the fut- that Austria could go it mm-hmm. alone and didn't actually need Germany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. In the 1930s, there is still well. The the, the major pressure is economic. Is is the the Great Depression had a lingering impact in in Austrian economy even by the mid 30s the situation is not improving in austria while um nazi germany after 1933 is presenting itself as a country that has overcome the the great depression so that becomes increasingly attractive through the 1930s for austrians to accept the idea of financialus with nazi germany so there weren't some Austrians, though, who felt a rising sense of Austrian nationalism? Yes, and in particular, specific versions of Austrian nationalism, more radical groups like the Austrian Nazis. There was this extreme right party, which is obeys the orders of the German Nazis and is creating trouble in Austria. 
so pursuing this idea of an Anschluss. So eventually, the government of Chancellor Dollfuss in Austria has to persecute the Nazis, and eventually the, the, the Austrian Nazi party was banned. So the government in power, though, wasn't in favour of the Anschluss? Um, not at that point, not that much. No, this idea just has become very politicised. And since Germany had become such a extremely repressive dictatorship, many sectors of the Austrian population become yeah, wary of this idea of joining Germany. Yeah. Um, it's this week in history we're talking about the uh, German and Austrian Anschluss of uh, March 1938. Uh, my guest is uh, Angel Alcade, who is a uh, lecturer in history, a senior lecturer in history at the University of Melbourne. So I understand, um, Angel, that there were Nazi agents trying to infiltrate the Austrian government and even an attempted coup in 1934. What, take us through what happened. Yeah, uh, that was a, a very uh, a crisis uh, leading to increased tensions between the, the, the different countries in, in Europe. So Chancellor Dolphus in Austria had already established an authoritarian regime. So, for example, the, the socialist opposition was, was destroyed, defeated in a short, brief um, civil war that happens in Austria in February 1934. Now, the radical Nazis in Austria are still pushing for more radicalization and to join the Third Reich. Now, in 1934, the Nazis who had been employing terrorist tactics eventually organized a coup d'etat uh, with the support of the German Nazis, with, with, with Hitler support. But this fails. This fails in July 1934. The Consequence, however, is that the Chancellor Dolphus is murdered by the Nazis. That creates a, a crisis in which even the Italian dictator Mussolini was enraged because he was also perceiving that that other fascist regime in, in Germany is becoming excessively expansionistic and aggressive, and that was also against Italian interests. Other countries in Europe were also increasingly concerned about these moves of Hitler's foreign policy. So if you've just murdered the Austrian Chancellor, surely that's going to have some impact on the opinion of the Austrian people about joining with the, with the Third mm. Reich? Yeah, but the next the successor Chancellor, uh, which was, who was called uh, Schuschnigg, he continued walking this path of authoritarianism. That's the answer that the political elites found there were not much more options after having created this authoritarian regime in Austria through 1933-1934. That path continues and Chancellor Schuschnigg continues trying to create a similar regime to that of fascist Italy and Nazi Germany. There was a creation of a single party which was called the Fatherland Party. But at the same time, they were trying to maintain that country as independent. So there was this tension um, between staying independent from Nazi Germany, but at the same time, advancing towards a very similar model of a country. A so what was that about, though? I mean, if, if they're trying to be Nazis, was it just about um, Schuschnigg wanting to maintain his own power and the Austrian government just not wanting to give up its own control? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that was the situation. But there was this movement from below also of Austrian Nazis towards Anschluss. So that becomes much stronger in around 1936 and onwards, where the the Nazis become more interested. Also, Hitler becomes more interested in in taking this advance towards this increasing satellization of of Austria. There was, in fact, I think Schuschnigg, didn't he run a a propaganda campaign saying, actually, look, hey, Austria is better than Germany anyway. So, Mm -hmm. look, you know, Mm -hmm. they should be begging us, not not telling us if they want Mm -hmm. to be with us. Yeah, in 1938, uh, approaching the days of the Anschluss, Schuschnigg had met Hitler in in Germany, in Berchtesgaden, and they had a conversation where, where Schuschnigg is intimidated to accept a number of demands by Hitler. Hitler wanted to coordinate the foreign policy of both countries, to to have um, Austrian Nazis in prominent positions in the government. Schuschnigg, of course, was not willing to accept uh, all these conditions. In the end, he needs to submit. But approaching the early days of March 1938, still Schuschnigg tries to organize an Austrian referendum, a plebiscite, to still maintain and assert this uh, Austrian identity as something independent from Germany. There's, uh, there's this motivation to still maintain a distinctive and independent country. Germany wasn't going to give in, though. It wanted the Anschluss. The main reason was that it really wanted to get its hands on Austria's resources, right? Yeah, that was one one strong motivation for for Hitler. Um, from the mid nineteen thirties, Hitler is already preparing his war, the Second World War, and they had they had this plan organized, the four year plan, to gather resources, raw materials, strategic materials to prepare German economy for that war. And Austria has well a big population of industrial workers. There is also some raw materials in the country, iron, etc. So that becomes like an interesting prize for Germany. Well, was Hitler always going to invade, do you think? What what could have Schuschnigg offered that would have allowed Austria to actually stay independent? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, that's a often a matter of debate uh, among historians. Uh, it's difficult to know exactly what was going on in Hitler's mind, but regarding Austria, he was also sort of adapting to an evolving situation, right? For example, initially in early 1938, Hitler had in mind to maintain certain Austrian institutions. Now that that changes uh, quickly um, and particularly as it becomes clear uh, with Hitler's ultimatums to Schuschnigg that Austria could be just absorbed entirely into the German Reich. 
this week in history, we are talking about the German Anschluss with Austria in March 1938. Uh, my guest here on Nightlife is Angel Alcade, who is a senior lecturer in history at the University of Melbourne. So everything comes to a head, uh, Angel, in, in March 1938. And this is where, as you were saying, Schlussnig tried to get ahead of things by calling uh, a referendum for March uh, March 13th, which ends up being the date of the Anschluss. But so what, what's the point of this referendum that, that he's calling? Is he trying to show Hitler, no, 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 Austrians want to be independent? Or is this a message for the wider world? Uh, both things. Calling this referendum is a way to assert publicly that Austria uh, still wanted to stay uh, independent. And, and, and there was also pressure even uh, from the Nazis, from Hitler, to change the terms of that referendum, that the, the, the referendum was in, in Schusnick's plans was to ask Austrians whether they wanted an independent uh, Christian nation where you know, it was worded in a way that it was difficult to say no. Austrians will vote in favor of uh, remaining independent. Now, there was pressure first to, to change the terms of that question or, uh, in the referendum. Eventually, quickly, Hitler demands that no referendum at all should be organized. And he, at the same time, is gathering troops at the Austro-German border. And now Shushnik had, I mean, he was pretty desperate by this point because he could see the writing on the wall. And so he was either, I mean, he'd, he'd be in, become an authoritarian state. But at this point, he said, OK, well, socialists, you can come back, uh, re-legalise basically other political parties, trying to get their support, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that strategy, of course, was somehow too late to carry out properly. And Austria had become isolated also internationally. And this was also a question of uh, the the geopolitical situation of Austria. They're surrounded by by regimes that are also authoritarian dictatorships, uh, Italy, Germany, Hungary. So there was not room for manoeuvre. And um, even the uh, European democracies, Britain and, and France, are accepting that that's going to eventually happen. The Anschluss is going to happen at that time, 1938, in March. Still, there is a civil war in Spain. There is a, a lot of tensions politically, internally, in many different countries. So it is now the priority to try to stop the Anschluss. There was, in fact, no resistance. So Schusnik renounces to call for armed resistance of Austrians in front of the, the Nazi army's invasion. And what, so, so Hitler doesn't want the, 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 uh, the referendum because that's basically going to show, oh, hang on, mm-hmm. people don't want us here. Whereas, of course, mm-hmm. Hitler's sort of public relations is predicated on these, these Austrians are going to welcome us with open arms. Mm-hmm. And so what, he just decides March 12, we're, we're going in. Exactly. And, um, well, it happens that Austrian Nazis, in fact, had strong support for Anschluss. So when Hitler arrives to Austria from Munich, first he visits his birthplace in Braunau am Inn, which is a frontier town between Austria and Germany. And then he goes um, among crowds that are of Austrians with, with Nazi flags in a sort of uh, 
public demonstration of enthusiasm by Austrians for Anschluss. So that also contributes to change the plans for how exactly that Anschluss is going to happen. So it was a direct contravention of the terms of the Treaty of Versailles, but uh, what did what did everybody else do uh, in, in Europe? Because the, <laughs> what could you do, really? Um, well, not much at that moment. Um, that was a move in, in foreign policy that was difficult to stop. It didn't make happy even uh, Mussolini in Italy, who considered that now Austria has disappeared uh, and Mussolini is already in an alliance with Nazi Germany. So, But Nazi Germany is becoming the leader of that fascist alliance. Austria just becomes obliterated um, by, by this growing aggressive nationalistic power. And all the laws that uh, the, the Nazi regime had been creating in the uh, years coming to, to March 1938 are suddenly applied into a different country, Austria, including, well, uh, anti-Semitic uh, legislation, the Nuremberg laws, etc. And because uh, you mentioned that Vienna was a, a city that had a, a large Jewish population, so how quickly was it that civil rights began to be restricted for those Jewish residents? Extremely quickly. Uh, that was uh, uh, one of the, the, the tragedies of the Anschluss. Um, this Jewish population starts experiencing violence, exclusion, uh, confiscation of property, basically all the measures that had been already undertaken in Nazi Germany were quickly, suddenly applied to Austrian uh, people. Yeah. So, Uncle, in, in the years after World War II, how did Austrians come to terms with their role in the Third Reich? I mean, wasn't there an idea promoted that Austrians had uh, just been the first victims of Hitler and the Nazis? Or was there a clear sense of we asked, you know, we, we effectively allowed the, the Germans in, we offer no resistance, we were, we're culpable mm. here? Both things. Um, Austria recovers rather quickly this identity uh, distinct identity from from Germany, and Austrians have remained proud of of being an independent country. So, after the experience of March 1938, this idea of Anschluss it doesn't have the same connotations anymore. Any positive connotations at all? That they they not um, yeah Austrians don't see that as a possibility anymore. And yeah, there is also a blaming of the groups that. Uh, participated more closely with the Nazi regimes. In fact, some important Nazis who organized the Holocaust, uh, they were from Austria. And Austria was a, a center of operations for many of these measures of the Nazis against Jews. So, of course, that, that was a, a past, a uh, very difficult legacy for the memory of the country. And it was a, a similar experience to that of of Germany after the Second World War in those terms, yes. And and at the point, you know, 1938, where, where the Anschluss occurred, what was the significance then across Europe as, as that happened? Because, I mean, we're very basically a year and a, a year and a half out from World mm-hmm. War II by that point. Yes. Uh, well, the, the first occasion in which Nazi Germany destroys an independent nation state, even though 
this is done through a, an annexation that is largely uh, supported by certain groups in Austria. But the reality is that there is this destruction of a state that was uh, has a, it, it had a tradition and uh, all the administration, independent administration of a state, um, Austrian elites, etc., they become simply replaced entirely by by Germany. So that's a precedent in this escalation of an aggressive Nazi Germany. That's an important step towards the Second World War, both in terms of international politics, also in terms of, well, the threat of Nazi Germany towards minorities like uh, Jewish people, but also other countries in Eastern Europe who will experience the same fate uh, rather quickly. And the next step for Hitler will be in September 1938, uh, Czechoslovakia. So that will be another point of escalation towards the Second World War. Um, Uncle, thank you so much for joining us in this week in history to uh, explain a bit about how the Anschluss came about. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Uncle uh, Alcalde is a senior lecturer in history at the University of Melbourne. Just taking us through that Anschluss uh, between Germany and Austria, which took place this week in history in 1938. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.